The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net, where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon, and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Laura Mazzotta. Laura is a spiritual empowerment coach, healer, and therapist with over 18 years of experience. Her mission is to guide intuitive women into ditching indecision, chronic symptoms, and burnout by confidently owning their multifaceted gifts and experiencing intimacy, wellness, and freedom. Hi, Laura. I am thrilled to have you on the show with me. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Oh my gosh, me too. You are such a wealth of knowledge and information. I am 100% sure that what you have to share today is going to be so valuable that I cannot wait for others to hear it. So, so excited that we're here today. Now to get us started, I would love to hear and have you share all the wonderful things that you're doing these days as far as business and, and how you are are helping humanity. Absolutely. So yeah, these days I'm really, I've shifted much more to vitality and really assisting people with maximizing their wellness at all layers. You know, that can be physical, it can be emotional, cognitive, spiritual, energetic, because if you leave one of those layers unturned, it's not a complete sustainable process. So really assisting people with not just finding that holistic wellness and what that means for them, but also empowering themselves to be able to continue this journey in a way that doesn't burn them out or make them feel impatient and frustrated with themselves. Now, would you mind sharing what background or what experience you come in with? Yeah. So I've been a traditional therapist for 20 years in New York. I closed my traditional therapy practice at the end of 2020 because I had my own physical wellness journey that began in 2016 when I got sepsis. And I was about 30 minutes away from no longer being on this planet. And so I had quite the recovery process still at the tail end of that recovery process six years later. And 
I only got so far in the medical community. It saved my life and it helped me to a degree, but I was also told that I would continue to go downhill and needed to set up a number of things in place to basically understand that my life would never be the same. And I just didn't, well, it isn't the same, but it's better now. I just, cause I just didn't believe them. I didn't believe it. And it's really, I've always been a rule follower and I've been a people pleaser. And so listening to doctors was my MO, right? I mean, they're authority figures. I would just say, yes, okay, yes, nod my head. So the fact that that came forward felt defiant to me, but I just knew it was right. I knew that I just didn't see that for myself. And that's when I started exploring other modalities. And I started with Reiki and I worked with the emotion code and I found the Akashic Records, which completely changed my life. And it got to the point that my work with my clients, everything that I would be coming forward with or that I was drawn to share was energetic and spiritual in nature. And I just knew that there was a level of sustainability and that kind of care and that kind of healing that stops this back and forth cycle of, of therapy being a revolving door, you know, and people being stuck in and out of doctor's offices and really taking the power back for your own health and wellness. So I started to scream that from the rooftops as quickly as possible. And I've also gone through a very comprehensive functional medicine education as well. So I'm really supportive in terms of the physical body in addition to all of the other layers. Were you spiritual to begin with? I love this conversation so much because I, I've always been spiritual and I actually grew up in the Protestant church and the Presbyterian church. And I had plans to go to the seminary and become a minister, a Presbyterian minister. So that was my plan. I was all set up at the seminary in Pittsburgh, which is where I grew up. And I had a job at my local church, but unfortunately my husband fell in love with me and <laughs> screwed up the whole plan because <laughs> we had been together for about five years at that point, And we knew that we were moving forward together. But if I had moved back to Pittsburgh and had this job and being in the seminary, it would be the opposite hours of his and I would never see him. And so we knew we had a future together. And it was really about me saying that I was choosing more of the long term than I was the short term. And for me, I felt like it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. And so I moved to New York and I actually got a job in advertising for a couple of years because it was something I'd always considered before I said, all right, I'm going to lock myself into something. I'm going to do that. And it was brilliant, you know, and the rest kind of went from there. I, I went back to grad school and got my degree to be a therapist. And I'm so glad I did. And my spirituality kind of went in and out around that time because as we all do, I questioned, you know, I went up and down with that. And I think the reason that I questioned so much is because I just couldn't align with organized religion in a way that felt complete. I always felt like there was something missing. And I always felt like I was doing something wrong. And so when I got sepsis and I was only recovering to a certain point and I just wasn't getting better, I just started digging deeper and understanding that even though energy didn't make sense to me yet, the results were speaking for themselves because when I would do this work, I would feel so much better. And even my husband, who wasn't a believer in this stuff, was like, I don't know what you're doing, but just keep doing it because you're so much better. You're so much happier. You're more vibrant. You're healthier, all of that. And what I think is so funny about the whole thing, too, is that I think that what I did was the pendulum kind of swung all the way to the spiritual and energetic. And then 
I didn't neglect the physical body. I couldn't because I was still taking care of it so much. But I think diving in with functional medicine into my unique physiology and how my body uniquely works was also a spiritual practice because it was a level of engaging with my human that I hadn't gotten that specific with yet. Well, I think that's so important because, you know, a lot of times in Western medicine, there's sort of a formula to treat something. And it is sort of catered to the general population of patients who may have the same ailment. Granted, of course, you know, physicians are very, they're brilliant, you know, so they are able to tweak it to fit the person, but to really go within and see what it is that you need on an individual level and giving yourself that permission to be able to look to energetic spiritual modalities that we don't quite understand yet, <laughs> but we know that it works. And that's where that faith comes in and, and the trust and the results and the results can really speak for themselves. Uh, so besides feeling those wonderful things of better and happier, what were the differences from, you know, how far uh, Western medicine, I guess, for lack of a better term, got you to when you switched over to the more spiritual energetic modalities? I think one of the biggest things is that I didn't feel sick. I didn't feel like a patient, you know, because in the medical field, every time I'd go to the doctor, I'd jump into this healing or this testing or, you know, this new approach, it would feel like there was something wrong that needed to be fixed and that I did certain things wrong in terms of taking care of myself or listening to my body that I needed to be doing differently. And so it felt shameful and moving into the spiritual energetic, it's like, it just is, right? Like it is. And a lot of this isn't even yours in the first place. So you're clearing some energy for your ancestral line. Not only that, it taught me to enjoy the process of taking care of myself, which is deeply self-loving and so transformational because it's not just, I'm checking this off my list and I'm taking care of myself in the way that I'm meant to, but I'm kind of resentful and irritated about it because I just want to feel better. It also taught me so much patience because it was like, we're not meant to heal from almost not being here on this planet in 30 seconds. That is way too much of a shock to the system. And it's good for us to learn how to be patient and hold that space for ourselves in the process. And then we're able to do that for other people. Yeah, I love that holding space for ourselves. I feel so many times, I know for myself, when I hear of somebody who's lost a loved one, I tell, I like to tell them, you know, I'm holding space for you. But I almost never say that to myself. So I love that being able to hold space for yourself, and give you that time to heal. Yeah, that was a that was a new level of my own healing where it was I desire to appreciate and love the process of taking care of myself. That was like a whole another level of my healing. So along this journey of healing in the spiritual sense, did it come with connecting with entities on the other side, guides, angels, past loved ones, ancestors, anything like that? Absolutely. Calling all of those guides in, I think is imperative. And there are relationships that unfortunately, we, a lot of us don't have conscious awareness are always existing in our field and are always available to us and have so much wisdom. And that's what's beautiful is we limit ourselves by just looking for support, feedback, connection, collaboration, guidance, whatever you want to call it from humans. Because the fact is that 
the vast majority of humans are really living within a limited mindset or a limited perspective or a limited state based on their own experiences, et cetera. But when we connect with divine intelligence of any form, we're getting a vision and a perspective that can see how we it, it all fits together, can see how it all flows to really the ultimate goal of the universe, which we're never going to fully know. Have you ever met your own guides? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My father's oh, one of my guides. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, he passed about eight years ago. So he's he's definitely with me a lot. My grandmother's with oh, yeah. me a lot. I love Goddess Saraswati. She's one of my favorites. I love working with her. Mary Magdalene, I touch base with every once in a while. But I would say my biggest guides throughout the initial part of my healing journey, and they still come in from time to time when I need them, is Archangel Michael and Archangel Raphael because they really worked well together in terms of working on my physical body and my field to be able to do a lot of repair work and kind of regenerative work. And when you say that they still come in every once in a while, how can you tell when they've shown up? Oh, I invite them. <laughs> I invite them in. Archangel Raphael, it feels like this, um, like a tingling energy. And it's always the color green, of course, for him. Archangel Michael feels like it almost, the only way I can describe it is it almost feels like I'm in a cocoon and Archangel Michael comes along and kind of opens the cocoon and I get to step into my next level. It's like a rebirth. Ooh, I love that. And I love how you mentioned that you invite them because I think that that's a very important component of connecting with entities on the other side that maybe people don't realize how important it is. It's normal to have thoughts of, well, don't they just know what I need? Like, don't they just come in and know what I need? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think it can go either way. I mean, I do think that it's good for us to surrender to their perspective. But I also know that for our own empowerment, it's really good to be able to decide what we wish to integrate in the moment. Just because it makes us feel like we're a boss, you know, and, and there's nothing but good that can come from that because that's what co-creation with the universe is, that it's it's about the relationship that my guides have with me because they'll have a different relationship with you. They'll have a different relationship with somebody else. And it's so cool to be able to identify how they uniquely express through me. And so... I get to receive that and kind of put it on the table with all of the other ideas and directions that I want to go in. And then I get to feel into what combination feels best for moving forward to really what I'd like to embody next. On the topic of receiving guidance, can we talk about the Akashic Records? Oh, um, so all day. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so tell us about the Akashic Records, what they are to you and how you use them. Sure. So the Akashic Records are like a spiritual library in the clouds. I'm a very visual learner. So I like to describe it this way, that if you picture a library all the way up there in the clouds, that's manned and really taken care of and managed by angels, guides, loved ones, ascended masters. It has an infinite number of books, one for every single soul that's ever sparked into existence. And so when you take the book of you off the shelf, it has all the information from the time your soul first sparked through past lives, current life, future lives. And it's like Google for the soul. You can ask any question you want and receive an answer. And what I love actually is that you don't even need to ask any questions. You don't always have to go in with an agenda or to be productive or to like, 
you know, learn something giant about yourself on a conscious level. You can also just go in there and chill out and let them love on you because it's one of the highest frequency spaces that we can access. And just being in this space provides an immense amount of healing and expansion just because it's like your body's a tuning fork. You're attuning yourself to the universal energy. And the closer that we get to the universal frequency, the more in alignment we are, the more clarity we have, and the more that we're really easily fulfilling our soul's purpose. How does one access the records? Is it getting into a meditative state or are there guided meditations or how do you recommend that people can access their records? So there's a lot of people who end up entering the Akashic records without even meaning to, especially people who have practiced transcendental meditation for a long period of time. I guarantee you they've been in their records and they're just not aware that that's what it is. So I have a meditation that I that I take people through and I actually just downloaded from the records a new way that's much more personal for me to connect with the records. And I encourage all of my students to really once they're accustomed to being in that space and knowing what it feels like in their body and in their field to be connected, create your own way to get in. So it started with my mentor's way, which was running a meditation, Mother Earth energy, all the way up to Akashic energy and bringing that balance into our bodies so that it doesn't feel like such a dramatic shift between our physical state and the high frequency energy of the Akash. And then we used five ohms to enter the records because using sound shifts our vibration and just allows that transition to be even smoother. But I downloaded a new way that I just introduced a couple of weeks ago that was absolutely amazing. It was amazing. And it's so beautiful. And that's what I encourage. Like, again, that empowerment. What does it feel like to you to be connected? Find your own way to get in because you know what it feels like to be there once you've been there. Now, I'm curious, when people are in between lives, and they're on the other side, can they access the Akashic records? And if they do, what do you think that it is that they might be looking at or for? So between lives, yes, I mean, they can be in the Akashic records all all day, every day if they want, right? I think that what they're doing between lives is really assisting us with writing our narrative and continuing to modify their own for their soul's journey. So especially in spiritual form, we're able to impact and write into the records much more easily than when we're in human form. So I think that they're assisting us with that. They're guiding us to certain pockets of our records, but they're also holding safe space for us to access and really securing that space even further. Because when we're dealing with the infinite, it's ever evolving, it's ever expanding. And so their experiences as souls are continually adding to that space to continue to expand our capacity for downloading more information, learning more about the infinite, healing more, expanding greater in terms of our lives on this planet and beyond. Have you ever stepped into the space outside of the records doors? So we mentioned this library in the clouds. What's surrounding that quote unquote library? Other dimensions. You know, I mean that we have we have layers and layers of dimensions. And what's really freaking fun is that over the past few months, I've been expanding beyond the records into other dimensions. It's freaking wild. It is so cool because 
you know, the records, again, that term was created by human beings so that they could have some way of organizing what all of this infinite, unseen, unknown, intangible energy is. But you know what? It's all the same. It's all coming from the same place. I don't care what you call it. You could call it the records. You can call it Reiki. You can call it whatever you want, right? It's all universal energy. And there's just different ways in which we each use it and access it. So it's like, you want to play with the dimensions? Play with the dimensions. You're going to flow in and out of the records and all different other modalities that you're going to hear about out there. But the bottom line is it's one giant pool of energy. Ooh, I like that. Yes. And humans, we do like to make things tangible and easy for us to understand, especially with spirit. It can get very, very confusing for our physical brains. So yes, that's a great way to put it. Okay. So exploring other dimensions. I see. I knew there was a reason why my guides like, let's push this conversation beyond the records. Okay, good. So what have you found in these other dimensions? Oh, baby man. <laughs> so much. I mean, intelligence from other star systems, intelligence from honestly, just being able to witness the lineage going back even further than we thought and being able to go back to the creation point of the universe, which is f- so amazing. Wow. My favorite is merging with the God energy because I firmly believe that a lot of times we hang out in the Akashic Records and playing with Reiki and we talk about the universe and all this lovely stuff because people are shying away from the God energy because it feels intimidating and it feels blasphemous and it feels like something that we are not meant to merge with. But God created all of it, friend. (laughs) Like God created all of it. And therefore, being able to merge with the God energy and really embody that was a game changer for me. And how do you do that? Oh, goodness. There's there's a very, very long meditative process that I guide people through in my programs that not just allows them to feel it and to access this and immerse in it, but to sustain it, to make it part of literally their cellular structure, every single decision they make throughout the day from brushing your teeth to having dinner to going to bed to traveling through dimensions, right? Um, Because the God energy is instant manifestation. The God energy is instant integration into the human. Um, And I remember the first time that I connected with it and man, I fell right to my knees and went small because I felt so inconsequential next to the God energy. But as you acclimate to that, it really helps you own your personal power, your soul's purpose and direction. And honestly, the biggest thing for me is just profound surrender. Because really, for me, that's about I'm only here for service. This has nothing to do with me at all. Oh, gosh, I love that. I think that many of us who do this work love that idea of surrender. I, from, I'll speak for myself, you know, surrender, use me how you want. But then I start to think like, oh, well, if I do this full time, I'll lose the security of my job and da 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 da. You know, it's like exactly. all these thoughts and I start to doubt it. And I think that it it really creates such limitations. So I love that idea of full surrender. And we'll make sure to include in the show notes ways that people can connect with you in your classes. And if, you know, if they're really interested in these guided meditations and things, um, you know, to get in touch with you on 
the process to to connecting with that because I think that that's incredible. I haven't heard of that before, you know. So mm-hmm. I think that this is really profound and state of the art. <laughs> <laughs> and the next step where everything's intended to go. How much do you feel that you are visiting these other dimensions and and things in your dream state? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I kind of go in and out of that. I think that's pretty typical, you know, that our dream state is more or less active depending on what's going on in our lives. But I find that honestly, my dreams have become less active as I become more intuitive. And I think for me, that's because I'm downloading stuff all the time. I mean, like I'm just downloading stuff all the time that they don't need to wake me up in the middle of the night because I'm listening all day, every day. And I, and I, I'm not saying that that's, that means that people who have crazy dreams are not listening (laughs) because spirit works through us all very differently. I remember when I dove into lucid dreaming practices and I realized once I learned about it, that I've been doing that since I was a little kid and didn't even know that's what it was called. I had to stop doing lucid dreaming practices. I'm very selective about that because when I do it, it explodes my intuition so much that it's a little bit too much for my sit. Like it's just too much because I'm so intuitive. And so for me, I'm like, all right, simmer down. I'm just going to, because I also like to honor, this is about that perfect integration. Like I want to honor my nervous system and not break the human at the same time that I'm honoring what's coming through. So if I'm, if I'm conscious of that and select and intentional about it during the, the waking hours, I find that I can rest more peacefully. I love it. And I think that's a really good point. We have to remember we are still human <laughs> and we are still living these physical lives. So we have to honor that. Uh, I, I want to go back to when we talked about visiting these other dimensions and you had mentioned, I believe, celestial beings. Like the Palladians and the Arcturians and Syrians and all that stuff is... Wow. It's You know what it is? It's just beautiful. It's so beautiful to be able to connect with that energy and... Honestly, some of the deepest aha moments and awarenesses have come from that. Not necessarily in my individual life, though. When I connect to those civilizations and those star systems and those dimensions, the messages that come through around that are much more around collective healing and like where we're meant to be going as a society and where we're meant to be going as a planet and how we can upgrade our systems across the board in order to get closer to being a more utopian society. So they like to help us with that part of humanity as far as the collective. Got it. When you connect with those beings, do you speak to them as a collective or are you connecting with individuals? So what I typically do is when I enter their space, I always enter with an air of observation. I want to give them their space and I want them to acclimate to my energy entering. And I also want to really just observe how they interact with one another and how their society operates before I enter into conversation. And then I typically pick anywhere from one to three beings and I don't choose them. I just set the intention and then they come to me because I'm the one entering their civilization. So I allow them to kind of decide who's going to speak with me. And then there's usually one or two others that kind of either hang in the background or chime in from time to time. And that's when the more like intimate conversation occurs and the 
I guess the more information that comes through that's applicable to uniquely how I am meant to play a role, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And when you are having these conversations and you're observing, is this again in a meditative state? Yeah, I always, when I astral travel, I always go through a portal because it's just, it's cleaner and it feels a little safer for the human. Because listen, like you're flying out there floating among the stars. So a lot of people can feel very unsafe and unprotected and uncomfortable with that. And so I always go through a portal because it's a nice way to kind of bridge that and and help the human ease between dimensions. And do you offer a guided meditation for that as well? Yeah. Yeah. I take my clients into that. And what's so funny too is like, there's sometimes that I've guided people into past lives, but then their guides will automatically take them to astral travel or I'll be guiding people into astral travel and their guides will automatically take them to a past life. Like it's really beautiful because once you open to having whatever experience spirit wants to guide you through, it doesn't really matter where you end up because you're going to be taken to where the information you're meant to integrate. I love that. It's almost like it doesn't matter (laughs) how you start or what you say. Once you are ready to meditate and get in that space. They're like, all right, we'll take it from here. Exactly. Well, that's (laughs) what I'm saying. Like merging with the God energy and spending time with these beings, you learn more and more about how to surrender and really trust that they're guiding you to exactly where you're meant to go. And knowing that whether you leave that and have no conscious understanding of anything that happened and feel like I saw nothing, you've been changed at like a molecular level. When you have these encounters how do you remember them? Do you write them down right away? Are you writing at the same time? Or is it just as soon as you get up, you're like, all right, got to start writing or voice recording what happened? It depends because sometimes I will write while I'm doing it. Most of the time I don't because I really want to immerse myself and I don't want to get distracted. Early on in my journey, that's the only way I brought stuff through, which was through writing. But that's shifted a lot. So sometimes I'll do that There are times when I will come out of something like that and just like, I can't keep my mouth shut and like, I'll go live right away or I'll just like type it up and be like, oh my gosh, everybody needs to know this. Oh my gosh, my gosh. It's like, you know, sometimes (laughs) I sometimes I'll even feel like I want to do that. But then my guides are like, Laura, this one's just for you because I think it's so important for us, especially as spiritual entrepreneurs to not make everything a freaking program or a teaching point, you know, like I'm also so deserving to just receive this energy and integrate it into my being and my field and trust that however that is meant to shift and transform me and ripple out to others, that's what's going to happen. So I just listen for guidance on that. And sometimes like I'll go to share something and then I'll, I'll feel this, this pause around, Give yourself 24 hours. Let this settle into your field. Allow this energy to integrate and then open your mouth, right? And so I just kind of feel into what that's meant for. What a great segue into a discussion about intuition because I feel like you're demonstrating so lovely the importance of learning to listen to your intuition so that it can really help guide you through life, um, you know, whether it's job or spiritual journey or anything like that. So can you talk a little bit about your intuition and maybe how you feel it and how you learned what that was? Yeah, I, um, I've always been intuitive. I've been a therapist for 20 years, but that felt more like a gut feeling 
you know, I have claircognizance and clairsentience, which means that I just know things without evidence behind it, or I feel things that are coming up in my emotion or my body. And I think that before I knew what those terms meant, it felt like I had poor boundaries as a therapist, which I know I didn't because I was consciously setting them all the time. <laughs> you know, I was consciously setting them and I was constantly upgrading them because I'm very introspective and I was always in supervision and getting my own supports. I was doing everything right by the book. But I'm an empath. And I was feeling my clients' emotions, not all of them, but I was feeling some of them. And I wasn't able to see that as their own. And so being able to realize that I'm simply picking up at the energy on, on the energy that's around me and that I get to choose what I hold on to and what I don't. What am I meant to hold even for a period of time and what am I meant to release? It was very, very helpful. And then in terms of connecting to the spiritual part of my intuition, at first it really felt a lot like a tingling on the top of my head. I'd almost feel a little spacey. I'd almost feel like I was flaky and foggy and kind of out of it. And I would get a little tingly. My fingers would tingle a little bit. I would always get temperature changes, typically chills, but sometimes I would get really sweaty. So I always knew when I was connected because it's almost like the crown of my head would lighten and open up and I'd get this tingling sensation and I'm almost feel like airy as if there was a balloon pulling my head up into the sky. Well, so then who do you believe is on or what is on the other side of that intuition? My higher self. It's just cultivating that relationship with my higher self was really about I actually just created it in one of my programs <laughs> as I downloaded it from the Akash, which was like, you know, who I because for so long I was so curious. I was like, who is our like who's the higher self? Like, what does she look like? And like, what is she about? And and it's really this whole thing is about relationships. It's all about cultivating relationships with beings that are not in human form. So it's like, all right, what is she wearing? What does her energy feel like? What does it feel like to look in her eyes? What does it feel like to hold her hands? How do I feel when I'm in her presence? How does she desire to communicate with me? How do I know when she's communicating with me? And just gathering that information as if I just met a new person and I'm starting to learn about them and I want to know how they tick and how they communicate and what makes them happy and what makes me happy in their presence and how we work together. It was really just relationship building. Would you mind explaining what a higher self is? Yeah, so it's really the the soulful form of you, like the highest version of you. And you can really easily interchange that term with your soul, for sure. But when we use the term higher self, it really feels like we have this loving, really sharp guide that's following us through every decision we make because our higher self is deeply connected to our soul's desires. Not what our ego desires, not what our heart desires, but what our soul desires to ultimately fulfill within this lifetime. And the higher self knows all of that. So being able to connect back to that version of you, it's the wisest version of you. It has divine perspective instead of being distracted by all the stuff we deal with here on earth, right? And it's like constantly chirping in your ear if you'll allow it. It's kind of like your, your big sister, right? It's like your big sister that's kind of like, no, 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 no. Don't go down that path. I love it. So such great information today. 
I mean, you just are, like I said, a wealth of knowledge. And I know that there's so much more that we could talk about. But to help wrap up today's interview, I was wondering if you might have a message being so in tune with the other side that would be a timeless message for the listener for the time that they listen to this episode. Yeah. Let me feel into it for a quick second and see what's coming forward. Just allow yourself to be illuminated. I just keep feeling this energy of illumination, like allowing, like if you're standing at a window and you're allowing the sun to just beam in on your face and on your neck as you turn your face toward the sky and just receive. You're meant to be receiving all of this love. You're meant to feel it so deeply to integrate it into every layer of your being. And that warmth and that brilliance is something that not only is it going to upgrade your frequency, but it's also going to sink so deeply into your heart space so that you can continue to receive even more. It's like you're programming receiving into your physical body, into your energy field, into your mind, into your emotions, so that you're you're priming yourself so that the next time receiving comes along, you can dive even deeper. Thank you so much for that wonderful message. Thank you to the other side for giving that message as well. But Laura, really, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you. And uh, thank you so much. And we will have to have you back on for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. another episode of a guided life podcast thank you so much for tuning in and until next time love and light always I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.